on today's episode of The Mythic Masculine. You know, like when I was a kid, I wanted to like to go to Europe because like my mom's half is actually like from Europe. And, you know, like I wanted to like, like learn, you know, like the magic. I wanted to like see the ruins. I wanted to walk in all those places. And, you know, like as I got older, you know, like I began realizing I live in those ruins. I walk in those places. Like I... Wow. I like know the world here that existed like before the world that exists on it like now and that I completely like took that like for granted because it was like oh yeah sure that's just the way it is but now you know like you're beginning to realize like no I need to look at that I need you, you know like you know like I need to hang on to that What does it mean to be a man today The old ideas of masculinity are dissolving and the new expressions are just beginning to rise. In the era of Me Too and biospheric collapse, how might we look to the old myths and archetypes for guidance to navigate this space between stories? This podcast explores the historical, cultural, and contemporary voices that are shaping this dynamic conversation of the emerging masculine. Greetings, dear listener. I'm your host, Ian McKenzie. My guest today is Jared Kostenachan Williams, a Salish food sovereignty chef and manager at the Elder's Kitchen for his community of the Cowichan tribes. He is also a father and owner of Medieval Chaos, the largest live-action role-playing game in Western Canada. I'm deeply grateful for our conversation, where he illuminates his love for traditional teachings, language, and story, deeply informed by his rootedness to his place, the land of the Cowichan peoples, where I currently also call home. We explore how language is a lens into an indigenous view of the world. How it has come to be that modern people know more about Greek gods and Marvel superheroes instead of the pantheon that lies beneath their feet. And why, really, it all comes back to food. Enjoy. Welcome to the show, Jared Kwestenachan Williams. Eat well, eat well. How are you doing? Are we doing okay? Mm-hmm. I would love to begin with just a little glimpse of where you are in this moment. Uh, you know, just sharing, you know, physically, spiritually, emotionally, uh, just for the listeners to to just feel into yeah you in this moment. Oh man, okay. Uh woke up really uh reasonably uh early today with my young sons and we went and paddled down the river. And then we headed home and had to make them lunch and hang out with them and then we had to walk the dogs and it's just been like on the go all day, but that's how I like to live my life mm-hmm. if uh if I can like run around in the woods with like those like young guys all the time, then I know I'm uh, living the right life, and yeah, that's how I feel. I feel um, like an exhausted yet really like happy dad. I guess if that's you know like any way to feel, <laughs> that's how I feel. Everything hurts, but you know it's okay because it was awesome. <laughs> Beautiful, spoken like a true father. 
<laughs> yeah. I would love for you to share a little of the lands that you're speaking from as well, the, the Kawatsin lands. Oh, my. Kawatsin land, hey? So, um, oh, man. I am on the Amana uh, Reservation, <laughs> um, the traditional lands of the Amana tribe. Um, and this house that I reside in has been resided in for three generations now. So here we are. Our land here, what's really interesting about this uh, <laughs> reservation is that the true Samana, like tribe, our uh, um, like original uh, like reservation was uh, where the forestry museum is now. Used to be like where the old like village was, but then when they ran the uh, the railway through, uh, they actually like chopped it in half. And then uh, I think a little bit after that, they reduced it. And now it's like just over here, like at the edge of the river, like Allenby Road, you know, that area. And so, um, but it like used to be this huge, like running village that would run uh, pretty much from where it is now all the way to the... Uh, the Samanos Lake. Yeah, so um, that's where I am now. Um, I'm really like lucky to live up here because it's one of the reservations where there isn't really anybody else around. I'm in the middle of the woods. There's like a lot of like trees around me. Um, I I'm really, 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 really like lucky to live here. So yeah, mm, thank you. I wanted to tune the listener in a bit about why I'm so excited to to have this interview with you. And I believe I first connected with, you know, your words through Facebook. And I think it was a friend that had, you know, shared some of your posts. And I'll say that the the quality I feel I, I appreciated in them was, it really felt like, I mean, one, it was a love of language that seemed, you know, very apparent, um, as well as a, a, a love of food as well. That seemed a big theme <laughs> and a love of story you know, story, history, and, and all of those things seem to, you know, be woven in such a beautiful offering, the likes of which, you know, are, I would say are rare on something like social media, you know, on Facebook, where, you know, it tends to be pretty, um, you know, opinion fests and the like. And so, so I feel yeah, really grateful for, uh, for, yeah, for the ability to, to speak more directly with you. And, um, you know, I think this was also stirred by, you began writing for, I think one of the local papers, um, just the discourse, I think. Yeah. And, yeah, and and you began actually telling sort of longer, shortened myths. Maybe I'd say it like that um, around, yeah, around this area um, in particular, where I also call home. And just I so much appreciate how how you speaking these older stories really began to like open up the multi layered, you know, historical cultural reality of of this place, of which has been you know papered over. Um, for so long yeah right <laughs> you know? it's huge so, it's yeah it's massive. so so and then of course you you run a, a massive um you know mu- multiplayer or, or larping um fantasy medieval oh, chaos man. game okay yeah that yeah that's like the other half of me it's like there are like two halves of me which half do you know me as how do you know me where did you meet yeah. me <laughs> so incredible bio um yeah. of of you know multifaceted um skills and 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 gifts and so I'd love to begin, I think, with the food. If we, we speak a little bit about, you know, how, what is your current profession that, you know, it seems to occupy a lot of your time? Uh, and uh, and how did you come to such a deep love of 
of food, and in particular, like the traditional, you know, gathering and preparing of food for your people. Okay, that's a yeah, that's a a lot to like try to like unwind. So, um, okay, how did I wind up actually like where I am and what am I doing right now? So, I am the elders' uh, kitchen manager and traditional food. A program coordinator with uh, uh, Couchin tribes, and so that's a lot of words. What does it mean? Um, uh, the easiest way to translate it is that I have the wonderful job of like running like a team where we have to make lunch to feed like our aunties and like uncles. Um, like every day. So there's like a hundred elders that, you know, like we feed every day and they are like my like relatives and we all use our language and we can all like sing our songs and we can all like talk about like the way everything used to be and how it's all changed. And I can, it's, it's like literally like <laughs> I get uh, to go to like traditional like university, like every day, mm. <laughs> um, you know, like if I have anything to ask, if I have like a problem with like a word or, you know, like a meaning or a usage or whatever, you know, like I can just like ask, I can, wow. you know, like walk across the room and say, Oh, Hey auntie, uh, do you know how this works? Or like, do you know, you know, the, like, uh, the, like, uh, like word, you know, that is like, what's the name uh, for uh butterfly? Right, because you know there has to be a word. And she looks at you and she's all, "Oh, I think it's shwalwaka," uh, and you're like, "Oh, shwalwaka," you know. Like I don't have to, I don't, I don't have to like read a book. I can just ask. So, really, like lucky that way. And also, huh, that's my job. So, pretty lucky all around. Um, how did I wind up there? So. Uh, graduated high school in the year 2000, which is like a hundred years ago now, um, and went to a culinary arts and went into the like Western, like restaurant, like industry and whole the restaurants from the year 2000 to the year 2009, 2010, um, the restaurant industry in like those years was like really mean and really like nasty and a lot of like uh, drug addicts and like alcoholics and this like I was uh, really like happy there but the rest of the employees man they, they were usually really mad about a whole lot of crap I had nothing to do with and really interesting out there lots of uh, like perceivable like racism you know that was happening in you know those years in like that industry and uh uh like worked my way up you know like i i was like washing like the like dishes at the beginning and you know like, you know like like every job well every like new job i had i would have a, like a higher position and i just like worked my way up and up and up and then uh i was exec chef at the cherry point for a little while and then um Oddly enough, this like job at like the elders happened to open up and I can like remember like thinking like, do I really want to like, like work with elders? Like I didn't, you know, there's this, uh, this like idea like within like the restaurant industry that if you like work in, in like institutions that you're not as high, uh, quality, you know, as like a chef 
And so there was this like, I don't know. I don't know if that's really what I want to do. But like walking in the door and, you know, like a year into it, you really realize like I, I, I realized lots how much I knew that nobody knew. Like <laughs> I remember like working at, you know, like a restaurant in like Victoria and, you know, like I'm not going to use the name or anything, but that like the exec um, tried to like reprimand me that I didn't actually know how to make uh, like a uh, 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 cedar like plant like salmon. And I, you know, I was like, I have no idea what that is. I've never had that in my life. And he's like, oh, gee, you know, like you're an Indian. You should know how to make that shit. You guys, you know, you know, that's what you make. And I'm like, no, no, this is exactly what I make. And he's like, well, I don't know what that is. I don't care about it. But like, you know, you got to know how to make this. And I thought, he has no idea. He has absolutely zero idea that like the land that he is like working on was like habited. Like by Aboriginals, like for like, like tens of like thousands of years, and like they made all their food this way, and only within the last like, uh, <laughs> like one hundred years, like like did that like change, and yet he has no idea like what was here for all those years, like 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 the. Uh, the loss was just huge in my mind. I remember being like, okay, I have to get the hell out of here. And I ran home and that's half the reason that like I wound up at the other's building. And then you, you realize that, you know what? It's actually like against like the law to like serve our, our like foods off reserve. And it just, and then, and then I got mad <laughs> and then I began like, like to like write and to like yell at everybody that I could see that it wasn't like right that, um, I, I'm not legally allowed like to harvest like meat or like vegetables or like anything, you know, you know, like out of the wild and then like run that, you know, in like a restaurant or like, like, uh, uh, like sell that. Like there are like laws that prevent like Aboriginals from serving like their like traditional like foods and um, that, that really kind of ran me into this, like indigenous, like foods, like sovereignty, you know, that I'm in now. It's just because it's, we see very high end, like Japanese, like restaurants and like Chinese restaurants and, you know, even like Mexican restaurants and like Italian restaurants. And we don't see any like Aboriginal restaurants. I think there's probably like maybe like 12 wow. in, uh, all of like uh, like north america right like then that's it's a huge area with not a lot of restaurants and yet we were here and we were the ones who were actually like having to like make food and like now we're not even like allowed and it, you know i could probably like rant on that forever but yeah <laughs> wow i i realized to me like that is a that is an unthinkable thought that you just shared there yeah which which i'd never thought before and and how incredible that is that that's that's the case that yeah there's no restaurants like that. yeah yeah you know that was never on your mind until it was out of my mouth <laughs> yeah exactly yeah so thank you for that for that thought no um, i understand as well that your love of food or at least the the traditional preparation and the harvesting uh was sparked by your grandmother uh, sparked. Yeah. More like whipped. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. 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 I love my grandmother without her. I would be a white boy. So, Oh, 
uh, like so like thank you to her you you know like you're not able to see me right now but i'm actually like raising my hands in the air <laughs> so okay indigenous education 101 while nobody ever lets you know with it yeah, that's what's happening nobody ever like could lean down and said oh hey listen now you know there's nobody left who actually like knows these things so you really got to listen no, they say, you know, like, you need that. You need lots of those little, like, uh, flowers over there. And I need lots of them right now. Hurry up. So you got to run over there and you got to, like, try to harvest them. And then you got to run back. And they say, that's not enough. I said more. And you go back and, you know, but you're only, like, six. <laughs> and you're like, okay, I'm going to run back and forth and get all these things. And then she's like, okay, that's enough now. You know, like, now we're going to do this. We're going to do that. And so whatever, like, uh, she did. You know, like I was there. Is that, you know, like I would say that realistically, like traditional education was maybe only like 20% of the like time that like I had with her because it was like having to prepare like salmon to like hang dry, right? And so mm. you'd have to like chop wood, you have to like chop the like, the like phalum, which are the like sword ferns and you have to get all the extra like salt the like tlethlum and you you know there's just all this other like work you have to do and you know as like a child you you had to work too right there was like there was no like oh it's okay you can just go run away no it was come on now hurry up we all got to do this um i can remember there like being times though often when i would have lots of like younger like relatives that would be at well you know they'd be about as old as i was we'd all like be at uh my grandmother's house and right across the road there was like a park and i can remember lots of occasions where everybody would be on their way to run across the road to, to go to the park and she'd be like not you you gotta wait here we got lots of work to do now come on and you're just like okay like you think you're you know you're always in like trouble like what did i do i always <laughs> have to work i'm not allowed to run across the road but then you know you're like an old man mm -hmm. well you know i uh you know like i'm not an old man but you know like i'm a you know, like I'm a man now and like I've, you know, I've like long lost her maybe like uh, uh, seven or eight years ago. Mm. And, you know, you begin going, holy, like, you know, like, holy shit. <laughs> like, wow. Like I really like learned a lot that I didn't even realize I was learning. You learn how to dry fish, the old way to uh, like prepare like food using like rocks mm -hmm. and like fire and like sticks, <laughs> like what like sticks, you know, like it's not just like, oh, I'm just going to, you know, like I'm just going to go use, you know, like any stick and, you know, I'm going to use like any wood. No, you'd be lost. It would all be like absolute like trash. Like you have to know all of the different like plants and like when to harvest and how to harvest and where to harvest and why you're harvesting and like exactly what you're using it for because you really don't want to like harvest like too much you know because then you're not going to have it you know like when you actually need it you know that's a really good like segue into like the ideology that that as like uh like indigenous like harvester you are never ever harvesting uh, for commodification right like mm -hmm. i i will just like harvest like what i'm using like if like we were gonna hang a fish and we needed 
like sword ferns, you know, you only, you only like needed, you know, like a big, like heaping, like pile. You didn't, you know, like have to hack down, you know, like all the ones in the area and then like try to like sell it to all your, you know, all your friends who are like, Oh, what happened? There was lots here. Now there's none. Oh, Hey, look, I got lots. Why don't you just come get some that, that would never be on your mind. That would just never, ever cross your mind. You just think I need, you know, you know, like you, you use. Uh, what you need and you only need what you use there is nothing else there is no like reason to have anything else it would be like totally like ridiculous um but yeah so she um uh, taught me who i am um i was raised kind of half uh like with her you could say um my mom and my dad, like they both like worked and I'd never went to uh daycare or like an after like school, anything. I was just always like with her and usually on like weekends I was with I was usually like with her and she was like my other like mom and she'd like raised probably like eleven or twelve other children by that point already, so she knew what she was doing. Wow. So um yeah. yeah, really, really like lucky to have that for sure. Wow. Thank you for sharing some of her and, and your experiences. And I just want to reflect back yeah, what, I, what I hear, which is almost the, the mm, kind of apprenticeship through, through real relationship or like through, through learning, you know, in the preparation, in, in the stories, in, in some ways like culture being embedded in the relationship to the food and to the, to the beings. And yeah, and how that's not yeah. separate from a no. kind of uh, you know, like the training itself and the culture itself, that like that is how it's enacted, it seems to me, um, which is a very foreign concept to to those that don't have a kind of lived relationship with the relations of the plants and animals, you know, all around them. Yeah. You know, but we have to uh, remember that, like, the, the world that, like, we do live in, it has a, a very active uh, culture. And that because we like live in it, we don't really realize it. It's like when you like, like realize that the only reason that we get BC like day off is because that's our Western like culture. You just, well, well, we just like assumed, you know, that like that's the way it is, but that's not the way it is all around the world. And that's not the way that, you know, like it used to be here. So when, when like, like you say that, you know, there isn't, you know, like that opportunity, there is because there are like Italian like children that are like learning like how to make like pasta with like their grandmother like right now you know in you know in like Vancouver <laughs> and so uh, you know uh, you know like it exists but what what really what's really like lacking is like is like the Aboriginal aspect of it like the the Western world, like everybody knows how to make pasta and that's awesome. Like I love to eat, you know, you know, like all the pasta, but a lot of the traditional foods that like we eat, not only do we not even like know what they are or where to harvest them anymore, but how would you eat them and why? And, you know, because we haven't actually like used them in like this long, there's a high chance, to eat, you know, you'd be like, yuck, like, really? I don't want to eat this. Um, and so that's actually really, really sad because if you like uh, try to imagine that there was... I think there was a like site up uh on like the north here that was uh dated at something like fourteen like thousand like years old. Oh. 
And, okay, so you've got at least 20,000 years of genetic, uh, like, evolution uh, to, like, eat, like, what's here. And in, like, three generations, it's gone. <laughs> it isn't, you know, like the... I'd argue that 90% of, like, traditionally used, like, foods here are not even, like, available anywhere other than, like, like the ocean itself. And even, like, then it's, like, in uh, a record, l like, low amounts, right? Like, versus, like, what it was, yeah. so... Wow. I don't really know how I like wound up here, but here we are being sad. I'm sorry about that. Yeah. I got a bad habit of doing that too. Well, I guess I want to highlight as well this link now to language. And like I feel, it, it, like I mentioned earlier in the way that you've written about you know the food and the food preparation and the harvesting, you often finish your posts with uh, you know, a list of the language or the, la the names of these relations. And actually for me, just to say that the effect is that I feel almost... Uh, like unlocked with a kind of possibility of relationship that me as a settler, again, like I haven't had access to because, you know, the culture at large uh, has basically, you know, kind of washed it over and said, well, it doesn't exist anymore. And in some ways, yeah, <laughs> yeah. this great gift to, to almost like, I guess my understanding of indigenous language is that because it comes from the place that, that um, I, I understand it to be the, way that the place actually sounds if that makes sense yeah 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 whereas whereas you know of course you know i i'm you know i walk around here and i speak english right which is not from this place uh and nope. and so when i'm in the presence of the indigenous of the places where they're from and i hear them speak the language what happens to me is i also feel like i'm hearing the place speak to be in the presence of the place speaking, you know, and, yeah, and how profound that absolutely. is and how much of a gift that is for those that can carry it. So maybe I just want to also like raise up and honor the fact that you, you've granted me that, you know, small peek through, through the language. And maybe the second part I'll say is just, I, I recognize, or at least I think I do, the sense of so many names of, you know, place, plants and places and the rest and beings seem to encode a kind of relationship to them, <laughs> you know, and, and I'll give an example like, a, like a Wakwam, right which is um on the, close by where i am and how I, I believe it means something like you know place where the red tail duck is or or something like that where they nest at a certain time of year and how profound yeah. that is Quaquam. yeah thank you uh, how profound that is that yeah. that it kind of reveals a relation to place through the very language itself Everything. yeah and i'd love to hear oh, you man. i'd love to hear you speak a little bit more about that about how that is such a it's beyond yeah it's beyond even a kind of oh great that's what you know other people call it but it's a whole cosmology that is that is un unlocked so this is uh two questions and so after i walk through like one you're gonna have to remind me of the word sure. uh again and then i'll say oh yeah that's the other half sure, yeah. so um language um hmm, language is a lens we don't really realize it but when we learn a language we learn um how to interact with the world and we use the language to label everything we see. And whether that's a happy label or that's a, a like negative label is actually 100% uh, like dependent on the language. So here's an example. Um, within English, we've got this wonderful uh, word, I'm sorry. Let's say um, I like ran over, you know, like your dog. 
and you were like, man, what did you do that for? And I'm like, yo, I'm so sorry, man. I don't know. I was on my way down the road. I ran over your dog. I'm so sorry. What? So then, like, what do you have to do? You have to say, oh, it's okay, man. You know, you know, it's okay. Because that's what we do in Western society. You know, like, if I say, like, I'm sorry, you have to say it's okay, or you're the asshole in the situation, right? <laughs> and that's not okay to me. I think that's insane, okay? So here's why. There's no apology word uh, within our language. There's no version of, like, I'm, I'm sorry in the Hulkamatna-like language. There are ones that are kind of near it, like the word, uh, oh, kwakwalak. Uh, it's kind of like, um, like I need to, like, walk around you, or like I accidentally, like, walked into you. Oh, my kwakwalak, uh, like, I'm sorry. But it doesn't, it's like if you if you were to, like, run over, uh, like, somebody's dog, that wouldn't work. It would probably be rude. You'd be like, oh, quack, uh, luck. They'd be like, oh, geez, uh, yuck, don't even, yeah. So there is no, you know, like word like that yet. There is a way that you're able to apologize. So try to imagine this, okay? You like live in a world where there is one really large, like family, like in a house, you know, like a hundred to like 200 individuals are in one house and there's probably like 20 houses, like within a village and you, you live in a house and let's say you like ran over or you, let's say you, uh, you like did something to like hurt or, or like shame, like somebody else. Okay. How do you apologize for that? You have to do what we call like, uh, blanketing like ceremony which is not you know just this it's not like being like oh you know like uh, oh you know like i'm sorry no you you'd have to get your whole house would have to work to produce like enough uh like food and like presents which would be like blankets and like food and then you would have to host a huge like event where the whole of the village, you know, all those other houses, you know, they were all there and you would have to like, like feed them all and you would have to like supply them all with like presents. And then you would have to like bring like the individual that was wronged, like would have to be in the house and you'd have to like rest like a blanket on them. And there's this really big like, like ceremony. And then there's a, probably a half chance that it's probably okay, mm -hmm. maybe after that. Or because if you're not a really like useful individual and you're also an asshole, there's a high chance that, you know, like that house would just say, you're out, you know, like you have to live on your own. If you're just going to like ruin all of the, all of our uh, like relations here with everybody else, then you're out. So within our, our society, there's no real easy way to say, oh, Andy, I'm sorry. Like, yeah, okay. We're, you know, we're like really like westernized. But on the inside, the like, you know, you know, like the older elders, they look at you like, you're not able to say I'm sorry. Like that, that's not going to work for me. <laughs> and so then just using like, like that example. Okay. So you've got, uh, you've only lost one word, one word. I'm sorry. And look what happened. Right. So 
all these other words, like there's not really like a word uh, for like love. It's like a wanting word, like a like desiring word we use. It's almost like a replacement word. But the real like the, there's not like a word for like, oh, I love you. Um, like monogamy, we can probably walk into that. Wasn't a big thing over here all the time mm-hmm. and all those things. But um, words, there are large um words that we have within all of our languages that like they don't exist everywhere and like those words they house like like whole like ideologies and so like language is like a lens and so when you like learn the language you can really like see the world the way that the people who use a language would actually like see the world wow. it's like we've got like nine like words uh that would like actually mean like how to like land on a beach you know like with a boat because we probably used to land on beaches with boats lots right so got all these words for it and that's great but there's only one word in english because it really wasn't a thing right anyway um and so the other half um so is the female merganser duck and uh is a village that was technically uh, a substitary village of of but uh, the word Huachum is um, it's it's like a bay and it's a mountain because there's also like a mountain with the name and I think there's a lake with the name and there's like an area on like the river with a name so what does that mean well that was where we used to hunt the huak and there were so many huak there that it was named because you just had to walk over there with a rock and you could just like <laughs> you know be easy enough to eat all day um, That that's like something else that you know we could probably just like hop on is that the like plant fullness of this land cannot be like over like estimated like the the so uh, a traditional way to harvest like ducks you have like a long like post and on the post you know there's a net and you'd have like a really big like net out and you would like whip some rocks and as like the like ducks like leapt into the air they would like land in in like the net and it's like you don't have to try there's a net and they just you know, like they just happen to land in the net. Oh no, I'm in the net, and you just have to whack them with a stick, and there you go. But like now, I was at Huaquam uh, a few weeks ago. I didn't even see one. Me at Huaq. Where it happened to all the merganser ducks? They're just gone. And okay, so Huaquam um, is the place of the Huaq. Okay, Huaquam. Um, uh, the place, you know, like of the seal. It's uh, also known as uh, Provo Island. Huatlapnets. Uh, Huatlapnets is like Maple Bay. It's like a deep, uh, like deep, like harbor. Um, but the, uh, the, the like idea that like place names, the idea that the like place names, they like translate to the uses of the locations is not unique to place names. Okay, so what do I mean by that? Okay, so what do we call it? A tall, tall Oregon grape. Okay, that's like like the, uh, the like English name, but the like Hulkamatum name is Lalletsalp. Uh, Lalletsalp, and then Asp. 
lalets asp. Now, lalets alles actually means yellow. Lalets alles. So, uh, the root of the word for lalets actually means yellow because the, uh, the other half of the word, like in like lalets alles, the like alles half usually means it's, uh, color or like something like visual so like lalets alles is yellow and so so what lalets asp so now you know that like lalets is yellow a lalets lalets asp the asp at the end normally like denotes that it's like a plant that is like a medicine or like a food not always this is not a hundred percent for all plants but Pretty like vaguely, you can like say that you know this is one hundred percent. This is uh, this is uh, this is like a plant, and there's a high chance that you know like it has a use. All of them have a use, but you know this one has a higher chance. So, translating the word lalets uh, asp, you get uh, yellow, a food plant, to medicine-y kind of thing. Walk around in the woods in, uh, I'd say like April and you'll see these giant yellow like flowers and there's no other yellow thing except for that. And it's huge and it's obvious. And you think, wow, um, that's lalitsasp, right? It's really obvious to me. But why do the like Latin and all these other names like, well, okay. 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 Not Latin names because they're actually like reasonably like useful, but the, uh, the like regular names of all these plants are useless. Like uh, Saint, like John's wort. Like who, who freaking cares who? Like you know, <laughs> you know, like, like what does it look like? Um, but there's like all of our plants. Like even uh, let's you well not all of our plants, but most. And you, yeah, I'm willing to bet if we knew uh, uh, the. But the languages that like the ancestors used, because we have to imagine that like the Hulkamatinum like language has like evolved, and there is uh, 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 several like versions of like proto like Hulkamatinum, and in those like languages that would be like thousands of like years old. I am like positive if you had all of that information all the way up until now that like every like word would be able like to be like broken into all of these other um like pieces yet um so the majority of our like plants they have that they have that like really easy like the word uh the uh, is a yew tree and so is uh the word word for like a longbow is like uh so a Asp is uh, the like plant you use in order to make a longbow. Wow. <laughs> it just makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very simple. Um, but nobody decided that was useful when they made like the English language. I don't know why no one thought that was a good idea because I think that's a damn good idea. So there we go. Yeah, there's the like two halves of, you know, you know, like that answer. Yeah. Thank you for that. Um and I, I think you're absolutely right that there's some something completely different when, for example, so many places are also named after explorers and, and white men that, you know, wandered in there and said, okay, this is us, ours now. Uh, which, again, says much about the culture that did the naming and very little about the actual place, right, that was named. Yeah, and I just wanted to name that. A hundred percent. And I'd love to turn now to, to stories and mythology. And 
And believe it or not, this is um, uh, arcing towards masculinity, <laughs> and and, yeah. and and I, I trust sure. that we're headed in that direction. Um, and I wanted to speak about one element that you wrote in one of your recent essays about uh, one of the a local mythology around uh, one of the mountains, I believe, where you yeah you started by saying something like, you know, we're surrounded by you know superheroes and and the like, um, and and you know the the people uh, of settler descent in particular, you know, the modern you know, psyche is is infiltrated by these, you know, characters from Marvel and, you know, others. Yeah. And also, um, largely, mo- many can recall, um, for example, like Greek mythology, you know, people like, yeah. you know, Hades or, or Persephone Absolutely. or all the rest. And, 100%. you know, exactly. everybody knows those people. <laughs> yeah. And I was, at, you know, I was in grade eight, uh, in grade eight school, and I don't know if they still teach this right, but but there's a whole year dedicated to Greek mythology. And and again, just like the, you know, example of like, how is it that that is a better thing to be learning for someone who lives like me, you know, in a place like this, which has a very deep, rich, you know, thousands and thousands year old mythology, right? You know, how is it that that's actually a better idea to learn Greek mythology than that? And, and so, first, I just want to put that. that to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I wanted to put that to you. Like, what what has to happen by to you know. What has to happen to people whereby they think that is a better idea than the place in which they're actually standing? Woo, ball of yarn in my court. Okay, um, here we go. Uh, we also have uh, like pantheon of like powerful like beings. We've got histories that would hand you the roots of the uh, place names. Okay, so everywhere has a name. And if it's not, you know, like a name that's like, yeah, like we used to hunt, you know, like like this here, or we used to harvest, you know, like that over there. If it if it isn't, you know, you know like either of those, it probably has to do with like history or like lore or like something. And how easy it is to remove all those names and then the history just vanishes <laughs> um, so fast, like boom. And so why and where and what? Um, well, woo, up until really the 90s, right? Like the last, uh, I think the last youth went to residential on the islands in 1978. So it hasn't been very long. Um, that was only technically four years, like before I was around and only in less than like 10 years, like before I had to go to uh, kindergarten. But if you can imagine, okay, so when I, when I was educated, I can remember like very well, uh, learning about how the aboriginals here had no, uh, like uh, technology. They had no like metal. They had no like agriculture. They had no food. They were hunter gatherers like that. Like they were like basically like Neanderthals. I think it was on like the same like page in the like book and just how like rude that was. And then like trying to be like, Hey, that's not how it is. And then, you know, like being like told that like, that's not really like my place. Um, and so we've hopped like from like residential, like to that. And now like, like my children are on their way in there and there's language classes, but I, I don't want to like, 
I don't want to walk on anybody's toes, but like my like children have been like reprimanded because they use the wrong like place names when they're at like educational institutes when they say, Oh look, we're we're talking about like Mount Prevost today and like the boy will say, What? And they'll say, Yeah, that's what it's called and he goes, Oh, do you guys actually know that you know, you know, like the old name and they'll be like, Oh no, there is no other name, that's the name and he's like really like trying to educate them and Yeah, so there there's a push back i think because you have to like admit a lot when you begin to receive the reality of where you are like i don't know how else to put it like um like i went to a place called uh which means the like place of the uh, like thunderbird i you know like i was up like really like early in the morning out on my boat on the water and i was gonna go there and i was gonna see what was there and there's a house there <laughs> and i'm like oh um the you know this is you know like there's my map it's okay it's here i look up there again there's a house there what do i do this is the whole of you know you you know like the world like the like uh, the the like viewpoint like if I if we want the like children to begin like to learn like what happened here and like what the old like legends are and the old like world is then the individual that like lives you know like in that house will have to like realize that. They're in a very like sensitive area and maybe they might want to move their house or like allow Aboriginals to use the area or what? Like, how do you, how do you kind of like make that okay? Right? Like that's a, mm -hmm. that's pretty hardcore. And so I think that right now what's happening is a lot of like lip service, like, oh yeah, you know, like, uh, we're gonna like try to educate everybody about like Aboriginal like rights. But what I'm hearing is happening is that they're, they will be adding the information about residential uh, schools, like into like the uh, curriculum. And that, you know, that's awesome. I'm really happy that like everybody will know what happened. But, uh, you know, we have to learn about the Holocaust, but you know, that happened over in, um, like Europe and less individuals died over less of a period of time. And I'm not like trying to say that there was anything about that. You know, that was also like a horrible thing, but what we're not really like addressing is that, uh, uh, only, uh, 8% of the BC is like treaty land, which means that like 90, like 2% is, technically aboriginally owned and operated but i don't see that happening in the province i don't really see the government um just like running like the like eight percent that they own i see them running everything and i don't understand how that happened and if i like read the history right that shouldn't have happened and it's not supposed to happen and now if we like learn that what happens? What happens when we let our um, like children like know that what's happening like right here is is like thievery, and to release like the mythos and the like legends and the uh, you know you know the heroes and the like villains of like who who like used to live here will you know like inevitably like lead to, to them asking well why don't they live here anymore and 
why aren't all of like they're like heroes in the news or you know on tv and you know like their hero you know you know you know like he likes to eat this like one food i've never had that food what is that you know all these really interesting um questions that they're really they really don't want to answer and they really really don't want anybody to ask and so i think that um um, that's why it's not like added in any like educational way because it's just too much. It's, it's too much like acceptance of what happened and how we like wound up like where we are. Mm. Uh, you know, I had this image actually of, uh, of almost like a, a growing through the, the sidewalk, you know, of modernity, which says, you know, what do you mean? There's always been a sidewalk yeah, here. Right. right? Always. But, <laughs> but of course, you know, <laughs> yeah. but, but how the, sto- the stories and like you said, the mythos in a way is like the shoots of the place kind of busting through the cracks yeah. and, and growing through and, and blooming again. And how that really, you're right, like asks a lot of confronting truths about the origin and the foundation of this country. And certainly, you know, most of North America yeah. that, that really was built upon that very taking, as you said. Absolutely. Um, and I just really appreciate how the, the power of that mythos um, in a way feels like, feels like some kind of gateway, you know, or some kind of, uh, as you said, I think unleashing, yeah. you know, I really felt strongly <laughs> that, that, that image. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I want to tie it now to masculinities, you know, believe it sure. or not. That um, <laughs> there's there's something really beautiful uh, you said earlier about that language is a lens, and I really felt this sense of like this way of seeing, um, and 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 it either you know unlocks relationship you know or it banishes it. It, it seems to feel like you know where yeah. if if a tree you know it's just a tree you know like there's no way in to actual relationship. What you know uh, versus a whole other language can can grant you, and I wonder too about like the mythos of in a way like the modern dialogue and, and lens on masculinity you know whether it's you know toxic or not seems to come from again the very culture itself right which is bound by its sort of inability to see differently than than how it sees and so i guess my question to you is you know what is it what is possible with the, an ind- a different way of looking at or seeing into you know masculinity that perhaps you've seen or experienced, you know, within your own culture and within your own stories, that is perhaps very different than you know the the kind of uh, dialogue in the ways of seeing that goes on, you know, at large in culture. Well, yeah. Um, let's begin with um, like everything. <laughs> um, <laughs> the Aboriginal world, uh, and I'll probably have um, a few people will probably try to argue with me, and that's okay. It was uh, dominantly uh, run by women. Um, it was like um, um, a like matriarchal uh, um, like society. Like there were chiefs, but the chiefs were only there because of probably the women kind of trying to weave them into where they wanted them. Um, but let's uh, let's like view why I would be argued with, and then we can uh, like we can like rewind. So. 19, no, 18, like 50s, uh, Catholicism, like arrived here with, uh, uh, the Laplete, like the priests, the Laplete, they were here and they arrived. And how do I express it as well? Um, our like people, they have a lot of like beliefs and without having to go into it all, I can try to summarize by saying that 
religion and the spirituality and the politics and reality and everyday life were all one thing. There was no like, this is religion. Okay. You know, like I'm going to go to church and I'm going to do this and everybody's going to think I'm a good guy. And you know, then I, you, and then, uh, you know, like I want to be chief. So I'm going to act like a good guy and I'm going to be that guy. And everybody's going to see that, you know, like I went to church. See, I'm good. <laughs> no, it doesn't, it doesn't work like that. It, it's, um, like more of a, like, uh, a, a social, like a credit system where, you like advance like based on like being like the best at whatever it is you have to do and women um they're how you decide where you like begin um women hand over names women well so names okay let's just let's just like freaking like hit the brakes on that for a second because when I say names to you, you don't hear what I mean. You, you, you like hear like English names. So imagine that. Remember how like I like said there was is like a pantheon, right? Of all those heroes, those heroes, all of them, they all had names, right? And those names, um, it's it's like not like in like the Western world where no one like walks around with like the name like Hercules, or at least it's not really, it's not like, you, you know, there's not like lots of them. You're like, oh, hey, you know, like, uh, you know, like, like you're like Hercules as well. I had no idea I'm Hercules too. That's great. No, that doesn't happen very often. But <laughs> within like our, uh, like way, our like names, they get like handed on. And so those like names, they only get passed through certain like families. And so, uh, let's, let's argue that like pre contact, like if, if each like house like had like 100 individuals in it, then it would have 100 like names that were like associated with like that house. And they had been, um, like associated like with that house for like generations. And so if you, you would like receive a name and you're, you're like auntie, like used to know the old, like where, you know, like of your name, they could say, Oh, you're just like he was, or he was like this and you're like that. Or it's all like your, your like name is so like important. Like it, it like links you like to your house and to your uh, like family and to your, your like roots. It is like so like important that the that's like the idea of like the elders elders like removing like your name is like horrifying. It's like uh, the equivalent of like modern day like banishment and so um like names aren't just like yeah you know that's my name you know it's no it's who you are it's everything about you <laughs> um so uh, women they are the ones who like hold the names they're the ones who say you're you know you will wear this name you will wear that name your like son will wear this name like my grandmother was the one who like chose the name I wear and like chose the name that, you know, you know, you know, my son wears. And so, um, you know, that was up to her, but in this new world, okay, that's, yeah, that's where I was going. Um, when the 
Christianity arrived, we were very um, like spiritual and we really like absorbed it. A lot of like, like the older people, they just latched onto it. We, within a few generations, the culture like, like went from like husbands with like lots of wives and wives with lots of um, like husbands to then just having like one and one because that's what the uh, like priest had to say, you know, and he, as uh, Christianity does, it uses its own like stories to like lap with the existing um, like stories and say, oh, we have that too, you know, actually, you know, like his name actually is like Jesus and he also did this with us and he loves you and he's going to do these things. And so they were like, wow, cool. Okay. Um, yeah, we should, you know, like, uh, like we should listen because they're really like superstitious and everything's all the way woven together. So this, uh, these, these like men on these massive like ships with all these other things are like, you know, they obviously know what they're doing. Yeah. And so, um, pretty, uh, quickly, uh, one of the other like things that the, the, uh, the like priests like would say, well, is like, you're the man, you know, you're the one that actually is like the landowner. So you have all this land. And it's yours. But it was never his. <laughs> it was never his for even like, you know, it was always like hers. It was always his, his like mother's. One other aspect of uh, our like brainwashing is that we always like learn that our, uh, that like Aboriginals had no um, like idea of like land ownership. And that is, that is a great big, a huge, huge lie. Um, uh, traditional like land ownership was massive and like trespassing usually led to, uh, death. <laughs> and so obviously it was reasonably like important to the individuals. Those like land areas were normally like harvesting sites that, you know, usually had names like, like Huahum. So, from what I've already let you know, you should like then like be able to add up that like like Slumlets was the owner of Huahum because they wanted to eat the Huah that was there. And so if there was anybody else that was there that was like uh, like trying to like harvest the uh, the uh, like Huah without the like permission, then they would be in really really big trouble. And that like land ownership is directly like matrilineal. And so, um, you know, that's like one, like really like large example. Uh, yet there are, um, there were hundreds and hundreds of like, like little, like harvesting, like sites that like would have been used that, you know, you know, this like site would belong to this house and this house would belong to these names and these names, they were all like looked after by this, like one old woman. So who's the boss, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, like there's a chief, but like, is he the boss? So, okay, let's talk about like masculinity. Um, one thing you, 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 you have to do is like realize that you're, you're a worker and you're probably going to come second and that's okay. <laughs> And, um, you are probably there for, uh, working and the like breeding and 
Like I said, this is usually where people will say, no, that wasn't how it was. Because there's a lot of that, like, Europeanization where it's saying, no, the, like, men were, you know, you know, bosses. But really, like, if you really, really listen to the, you know, like, older elders, no, it was uh, regularly, like, run by women. But, like, the men, um, let's use, like, the, like, chief as, like, an example. So the chief in the European world, if you were the, the, like lord of the house you probably had like a bodyguard and like an army and a whole bunch of individuals said if you said you know you know like i need you to do this well that's exactly what they would do that doesn't work like that in our societies there was no existing like standing army let's say you know like you're in a house with like 100 people and like you're the chief and you say i want to um i want to like attack you know like this other village and, uh, you know, like the individuals in the house, if that's like a bad idea, you know, like they're just going to say, no, I'm, you know, you know, like I don't actually want to go with you. And there's nothing you can do about it because you, you have no large army. So you have to make the right like choice all the time or you're not the chief. And the right like choice has nothing to do with you. It has to do with like what everybody wants. But there, there's also, like the reality of the, um, how do I put it? The like, uh, the overly like dominant, like masculine, like there are like stories about like men who, um, um, have like lots of wives and uh, like run away to the hills and are like mass murderers. I don't know if you like read the, you know, like the like Zuhalem like story, but mm. he is a very, um, over the top like trying to be like like the most like masculine and well i guess it's almost like a toxic masculine like hero but yeah the the rest of the world is 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 like designed around around everybody having to work together to achieve um a common goal and like realistically like almost like rather like like fundamentally um the men would just like how do i put it it had like nothing to do with like whether you were like a man like or like a woman like what like job you had it's it was just like whether or not that was the job you were like the best at so mm. um i am like there were like women like warriors there were like men weavers there's another aspect there that you know that's lost and i don't really like hear like a lot about it but i would really like to learn like more about like uh uh like trans like gendered or like the like lgbt people of um like yesteryear and like how like like they were looked after and how they were like treated because i i don't hear anything about that but the uh the idea of like masculinity is just not the like same in that like you know like the older like aboriginal world you know like in in like the new aboriginal world like if if like you want to get like real like a residential like school really like really like amped up the like toxic like masculinity and like yeah. the on reserve like sexual abuse and like alcoholism and all that other stuff just went like through the roof like the elders would say that you know, there were obviously, uh, like, problem, like, individuals in, like, yesteryear, but there's, like, it's, it's like an epidemic. 
just because of like the way that these individuals like were raised, uh, you know, like they return home and they, they use the, uh, the Western like ideas of like, a lot uh, like patriarchy to like uh, like rule their houses and you know that that just like like moves us like further like away from uh, where we actually want to be i yeah here i am and you, you know like a not happy like place again you gotta stop me <laughs> <laughs> i i so appreciate you know what you shared and you know what strikes me is you know, not to not to idealize or romanticize some sense of, you know, that that you know, as you say, men in the old culture were somehow you know more enlightened, but but rather that there was a cultural intelligence that seemed to, you know, enforce or to or not even enforce to to invite and to value certain qualities right of masculinity, like you say, the capacity to, you know, to support and be in relationship and to, um, yeah, to work for the well, the good of the whole. Whereas in so much of modern culture, it's based upon a very different value system, and Absolutely. therefore you get you get very different kind of masculine traits, right? That are uh, that are valued within that culture, and so it's interesting to me to to contrast that actually with you know the the modern conversation on toxic masculinity, because it doesn't necessarily bring in that cultural lens. You know, I think people say you know overall that okay, you know they'll say patriarchy is bad, and this is what you know has happened to men, but there isn't an actual yeah like cultural culturally informed understanding of like what a what a culture of relationship would look like right and i speak now primarily to those of course that you know have lost that through colonization through um uh you know violence and all the rest from the old world you know living in such a way where yeah domination force uh control of resources and all that you know became coping you know for the absence of this cultural intelligence so I just wanted to, to reflect that, that I actually feel that's a really beautiful way of, of understanding, you know, almost like, because unless we actually are willing to, I think, look at that lens, we end up kind of inadvertently, I think, holding the individual as somehow um, just sort of, you know, a bad apple. Yeah. You know, like, oh, that's just, you know, too bad for them. And, and they made poor choices and all the rest. And, you know, that the the wider lens of, of you know, what, uh, which is symptomatic, I'm saying, of a culture that doesn't know how to value relationship uh, that that's what you're going to get again and again. You know, if you if you you know jail the men or whatever it is, you know, it won't matter unless you're willing to actually generate a cultural, uh, you know, intelligence that values relationship. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I wanted to turn now to this question of what does it mean to be an ally. Um, you know, particularly because I I you know I hold up what you shared here with great uh, appreciation, and and I want to you know also invite the listener to. To, in a way, understand that they've you know you've granted a, a kind of um, offering of of a kind of intelligence that comes from again like a very old uh, understanding of of a place of of you know of, I'll call it like a village intelligence that you know it, it's easy for the you know Western you know settler colonial mind to come and and see it oh and 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 come with this kind of hungry ghost you know kind of plunder energy again you know once again and. And I want to actually just like, in a way, maybe um, offer a kind of slower pace to to the listener as well to to not think like, oh, so now I've got it or, or or you know whatever it is because I feel like these things have to have your way with you you know for for a while because um you know they have a just a much deeper uh, lens like you said you know that they're inviting in and and so I also want to ask this question about allyship because you know I I think in my mind too the part of me that wants to say okay so if I 
rush around and learn all the place names and figure out the pronunciations and all of this, you know, am I just going to be perpetuating that same, you know, plunder mindset? You know, like, is in, do I have as one who's, you know, only been here, you know, two generations, is it within my, uh, I want to call it my, is it, is it respectful to think that I should be granted access to these, these treasures, you know, from, from a people that, you know, didn't give me permission. I'm on unceded land. You know, so what does it mean to actually kind of stitch together relation to place again for those that, you know, aren't from here, but also do it in a way that upholds, you know, respect and and relation to the people that are, you know, carrying this intelligence still? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that uh, when we travel to like Hawaii, we use all of like, like their words and like their names and we don't have any issue with it and we're like what does that even actually say uh okay that's where we're going right like and you know like you know you know like there's no issue with it but you know like we're here and you look at a word and you're like lum lumalit yeah okay you know like you're not exactly right because it's actually like some lumalits but hey at least you're not like um couch bay okay great like you know um I know that, like, as an example, like, we do use a lot of, like, anglicized, um, like, Hulkamatian words, uh, like Nanaimo, right? You know, that that's obviously, like, a Hulkamatian word. Um, but is it okay? What's the limit? Um, I believe very, like, strongly that uh, those who would, like, live here almost have, like, a responsibility to, like, learn where you are. Like, I, I wouldn't, I would not, like, move or have, like, children in, in, like, Europe and uh, decide to, like, rename everything and, like, let all, like, my children know all these different names because I, you know, I, that's, you know, those are the names you use. No, you would really want to know about, like, where you are and, like, what happened there. And, and then, you know, like, it really, like, it, like links you you know like with the land like i i will uh quite often like do my like traditional like introduction and at the end of it i usually say well if you don't actually know what i said then like why not like why do you not know what i said you know right everyone's looking at you and they got no idea what you're saying (laughs) and you know you're like why don't you understand you know, you probably like, uh, you like probably know French, you like probably know German. Well, you know, you, you know, you know English, you, you know, you, uh, you know, you probably know Mexican or, you know, like all these other languages, but you don't know the language of the land where you live. Doesn't that seem weird to anybody else but me? Um, that, that like we like wake up every day and we l- like drive around on like middens and no idea like what what we're doing and it just blows my mind um but i think that if we can like use that opportunity to uh re like name these like places into their like old name it it's like a it's a way to be uh, to begin to have the conversation that will last probably like generations, right? Like you need to have like the children asking, why is the word like written like that? That's a weird looking word, dad. And you're going to say, oh, well, because that's the traditional name. Well, what's the traditional name? Oh, wow. You got a big thing to tell them now. Oh, man. You'd be there for hours. Or, you know, you can say, oh, yeah, you know, you know, like you, you know, like you don't have to worry about it. So, like which half, right? Um, but 
as I, I usually like to say there, uh, we are, well, like Aboriginal people, we are just 4% of the population. So in order to convince everybody else, we need at least another uh, 46%. That's like 10, uh, 10, like, uh, 10 like times higher. So if I've got like, like 5,000 like Aboriginals like on a reserve, we have to get at least another like uh, 50,000 to like help us to try to like change these names. And then, you know, then we're not able to be stopped. But if we like could try to say, hey, that's, you know, that's our name. Well, then what the hell are we going to do with it? Like, it's just, you know, it's just going to get old. It's obvious like what happens if we're just going to hold on to it. I guess I can, I can walk into that for a minute. Um, residential and all those nasty things that happened they did a really really awesome job of uh trying to keep the uh the people that live here from sharing their story they we the elders they all were like raised in 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 like a world where if you like shared the wrong like story you could actually be hurt you could uh, you know like you could be like arrested you could be like assaulted um and so there were like generations where like we were all like raised that you're not allowed to share like there are like times even like now where i get like reprimanded because like i like share um well everything um but i am very adamant because I'm watching it leave. Like, yeah, okay, there's a few, like, written, like, sources, but when the last individual who knows how to actually, like, read those, like, uh, those, uh, those, like, sources, or, like, even, like, actually, like, know, like, the, uh, like, the meanings of all the names, like, we're, I think we've got a 1% fluency rate, or, uh, no, a half of 1%. And so out of, like, 5,000 people, I think 100, like, people or something like that, you know. And so, and I'd argue that the majority of those are probably already, uh, like, elders. So we have a lot of, like, work to do in order to keep it alive. And we can use all the help we could get. And if we can, like, change uh, these, like, place names, I think we could really, like... uh, really like change a lot because when I was youth, it's really weird to be Aboriginal youth because it's like you like know you're like from here, but where like you only like know the reserve and the reserve is, uh, uh, I think it's less than one quarter of the size of North and nor North Couchin. So, you know, like as an example, we, I think it's uh, 50, 50,000. No, no, uh, uh, 11,000 acres or like hectares or whatever, but, um, it's not a lot of area and the traditional area was, um, well, you know, uh, you know, all this land. So it's odd to, uh, to hear like traditional, like place names when you're on reserve, but then like you walk off reserve and you're on like Mount Bravo or like Mount um like maxwell or you're gonna you know all these different places and you're like why is this called mount maxwell we're in like my land and so there's this real like i identity thing and like the whole like having like heroes right like you 
you, um, Western people in, uh, you know, like I'm half like Western and I was like, you know, I was raised in, in, you know, like Western society, but we are handed these like heroes and they're white and they're happy and they're awesome. And they do all these things for us. And like when everything happens, we can think, yeah, you know, like, uh, you know, like I can do it because, you, uh, you, uh, you know, like I saw this like hero guy do it. But in like the Aboriginal world, all their heroes are lost and like a lot of the like legends aren't out there and you, you know, like, you don't hear it a lot and you don't have heroes and a lot of the like legends that like you do here are like warped into really nasty ways. Like, oh, you know, like Zuhalem used to just whip all his wives off the mountain. That's why they named it Mount Zuhalem. And that's all you know. That's all you know. That's your only hero your whole life. And you think to yourself, well, where's like my value where's like my world where's where's me you know like when i was a kid i i wanted i wanted to like how do i put it i wanted to go to europe because like my mom's half is actually like from europe and you know like i wanted to like 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 learn you know like the magic i wanted to like see the ruins i wanted to walk in all those places and, you know, like as I got older, you know, like I began realizing I live in those ruins. I walk in those places. Like I, wow. I like know the world here that existed like before the world that exists on it, like now. And that I completely like took that like for granted because it was like, oh yeah, sure. That's just the way it is. But now, you know, like you're beginning to realize like, no, I need to look at that. I need, you know, you know like, you know, like I need to hang on to that. And uh, yeah, like having like help to to uh, try to uh, to bring that to light yeah you know that would be welcome for sure mm. hmm. wow. thank you yeah you know it strikes me that the you know the listener might be wondering you know we touched on masculinities and, and they might be also wondering like well you know could you say more about masculinities directly or something? And I feel like there's a kind of elegance to what you're speaking of around how even the even to ask the question or or to in a way divorce a conversation around masculinities or the value or what you know how to be, let's say, as a man, devoid of an actual lived relationship to place, right? Again, feels that that to me now strikes me as absurd, right? That that that's even possible to conceive. But that that it is only conceivable from a mind that has no understanding of what it means to be from place anymore, and so I really appreciate how you know I feel the conversation has beautifully woven a kind of relational understanding that would deeply inform you know any conversation around okay so therefore how is it to be a good man, you know and and you've you've pointed in the direction of all of these different ways of relating to to place into food into story you know into language, and it strikes me that the uh, in a way that that's I, I want to advocate that actually too for for listeners that are even wondering like so what do I do about it and I would say you know this story that you're saying is is in your territory is so that is the story of North America I believe you know like any yeah. anywhere that anyone's listening in North America going well that's interesting there but you know I would say learn what happened where you are you know right. to the indigenous people that were there and you will probably not be surprised to know it was very likely the same thing. You know, Absolutely. Again, yeah, the diseases, the the land relocations, the broken treaties, the all of that stuff, and and the language is right there, and the stories are right there. You know, with the willingness to kind of swim through the amnesia that 
that is modernity yeah. and says, well, it's always been this way. Um, so I really, really appreciate, you know, what you've shared here and, and kind of, um, yeah, woven such a beautiful way of, of approaching, you know, not head on in a kind of get to it, you know, kind of, uh, maybe typical masculinity, but, uh, <laughs> uh, demonstrated, yeah, demonstrated a great, yeah, a great compassion for, for slowness, for, yeah, for contact, you know, for beauty. So Jared, I really want to thank you for, for your time this evening. Yeah, well, there we go. Uh, um, no problem. I guess if I could say anything to wrap it up about mm-hmm. like uh, uh, mass masculinity, it would be that uh, uh, mass masculinity was like working like hard to provide for the rest of your family, you know, like in a way that was like if you would provide to help them that like they were going to provide to help you. It was like unity. It's almost... It's almost like weird to to like divorce the like genders in like any way other than like naming, you know, like there were like women chiefs, like I said, there were women warriors. It like wasn't like unheard of, you know, like it wasn't as uh, uh, divided as you would probably like assume it would be. But I feel like it was you were like too busy trying to provide for your like family as a whole to try to like think about whether or not you were you know um like like being like masculine um but like with that there are like rituals that are like involved in the like becoming of a man and the becoming of a woman and there is a like very like a like sacred very like sacred um like reality like around um like 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 how to like hold yourself as a man and the majority of those like teachings um they are like varied like like from house to house but i think in the end that they all um revolve around uh, trying to do what is right right for the whole and like not just yourself and um I think that that is is like really what's like woven into all of our traditional um like teachings is that we need to work to help like help each other right um mm. there's really there would be no like survival if anybody was going to be independent in those days it, and uh, uh, you know there's no way to like try to imagine that you know like in the world today cuz you like you would like become a man and you like leave your house and you, you know, you, you will like head out into the world and you like find a wife and then you have like a new house and you have like children and you have your life. But that's not, that's not at all how the world would have been. Right. You, you, chances are you would live in like one or like two houses, like your whole life. And, those would be the people that like you were with. There was no, um, Western society, we put um, a lot on like a lot of, like individuality and like individual like perseverance and possession and like prestige when none of that existed. Like you, you were nothing without your house, right? You because you you like wouldn't even have a name if you didn't have a house, right? You you were nothing, and so. Um, trying to imagine you as like an individual and your like masculinity is really hard for me because like I said, there, there's just no, 
know what dividing like the world of like yesteryear that you, uh, you know, like I said at the beginning and you know, like, uh, you know, like there was no like religion, religion and politics and the world and like spirituality and like nature, it was all one thing. So trying to like remove anything, you, you remove, a whole, you, you, you lose lots, you lose a lot of, um, like pieces when you like try to like analyze it in, in that way, you know, it's, um, like a web, <laughs> I guess you could say. Wow. Well, thank you. Guys. Thank you for letting us glimpse uh, a piece of the whole, the capacity to see with, with wholeness. Yeah. Thanks for your time tonight, Jared. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Anytime. Oh, you're welcome. Mm. <laughs> there you go. You got it. <laughs> Thank you for listening to today's Mythic Masculine podcast. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're listening, and leave a comment. And if you'd like to support future episodes, head over to my Patreon page at patreon.com slash ianmack. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash i-a-n-m-a-c-k to become an ongoing funder. Thank you.